All right. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a frog in my throat this morning. Um, I would like to kind of start off uh, today doing the, the same thing that we did last week um, with a Slido poll. So if you have a device um, other than your computer, you can scan in this QR code. Or if you go to this website, uh, slido.com in a new window and uh, join with this uh, number here. So I'm gonna try to do this at least for the modern idolatry book, uh, just to kind of get conversation flowing, asking questions and, and things. And so <laughs> if you haven't figured it out yet, if you have technical issues and stuff, let me know so that we can uh, get that working for you. Um, but yeah, two ways to, to kind of join this Slido here. people just a couple seconds and then I'll activate it. You can still join after it's activated. All right, and if you're still uh, trying to join, getting that number, it's there on the side. So the first question is, how did you do on last week's homework invitation? <laughs> did you even remember that there was one? Because I almost forgot. <laughs> I, I did it the first two days and then I totally forgot about it and then <laughs> came back to it. Remind us what that invitation was. I've done a lot of things. <laughs> yep. All right. So the the invitation was to write down everything hypocritical, um, uh, every hypocritical thought or, or thing that you um, might say during the week and become more aware of things that um, appeared in, in chapter two, a coexistence of true and false worship. <clears throat> all right did pretty good <laughs> this is just kind of like a random question it's not like i'm going to be doing homework invitations all the time but uh but maybe we'll see <laughs> but yeah i was uh going back through my notes from last time and i go oh there, i issued a challenge and i better follow up <laughs> All right, well, we'll go on to the next one. All right, so this one you can answer multiple times as well, but what is one image that members of the church have started worshiping? And so this can be, you know, throughout the, the whole restoration, or it can be something very modern, uh, contemporary, but what is one image that members of the church have started worshiping? And again, once you submit an answer, you can submit another one if you'd like.
Very interesting answers. I love it. Give just a couple more seconds on this one. Let me know if you need any more time. All right, let's go to the next one. So and remember, these answers are anonymous. <laughs> but how would you rate your personal proximity to Babylon? Uh, zero being that you're firmly in Babylon, and five being that you're firmly in Zion. You've left all Babylon behind. Yeah, that's kind of where I was thinking or because if anybody answered five, I'd be like, hmm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, three and four uh, for uh, if anybody is coming on a Saturday <laughs> to, to learn about modern idolatry, I would expect that we would be very self-aware and in that three to four kind of category. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I'll give just a couple more seconds to lock in any answers. So yeah, these are just kind of getting to know each other. Uh, so uh, like our first icebreaker question, we want to actually get to know uh, individual responses versus these ones that are just more uh, kind of getting a, a pull of uh, where we are as a group, uh, but with, you know, anonymous answers in case we didn't want to answer uh, with our name on it. But yeah, I, I find all of those very interesting. So yeah, let's tackle um, the, I seen that question in my chat, where did it go? Oh yeah, Flora. So I was actually going to bring up about religious art and ask what we thought of it. So let's, let's go ahead and start off there. That's a great uh, jumping off place. So what about religious art? How can it be good? How can it be bad? And, and how have you found uh, good ways to navigate that? I know for me, it's I, I a majority of my uh, bachelor's uh, education was in art history, and so <laughs> I don't know. I think that there's a lot of benefit from art, but um, at the same time, that's exactly why I quit doing art history is because it started it started not jiving with my soul anymore, and so I, I don't know. There, there's a, a good blurry line there. <laughs> But yeah, Lisa. Let's discuss a little bit as we um, as we explore this idea about the art. Let's discuss a little bit what harm potentially how it came out of harmony with your soul or anybody else that wants to share what harm there would be in religious art because that was the one subject that we just hit on that really went bing in my mind and I'm going ooh I want to understand more about the potential to take us 
one way or what it could how it could be harmful because <clears throat> I did live in the Middle East uh, in a Arab country for a number of years and they take that biblical injunction about um, the human body birds beasts so literally that the only art that they have is geometric forms mm -hmm. yeah. so I'm very curious to hear a little have this subject amplified yeah, I love it. Yeah, Tracy. Yeah, I was, it's been pinging my brain just this last week because um, I just really started thinking deeply about everything in my home. And then I was just like, well, I wonder about that, the art, um, some of the, you know, statues that we have, just stuff that we have that is church related, but it just got me wondering, wait, what, is this okay, really? <laughs> I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let me share an image. This one came up recently, right? <laughs> and I, I don't know what, what everyone's uh, opinion on it is or anything, hey, you know, wildly different opinions in and, and without the church, but <laughs> the first thing I thought of was, oh no, what have we done? And then I read the article and, and read that it was, a, another uh, group of people trying to honor our faith and everything but I mean my first introduction was that image and Christofferson standing beneath it and I was like what the heck are we doing <laughs> I thought our church had produced it or something before I read the article and uh, it was very off-putting very uh it didn't jive with me at all but anyway yeah <laughs> we venerate Joseph Smith we have many of our own statues of him don't we and I don't know, is that good? Is it bad? Is it, do the, the church leaders not understand the significance of it? Like, I don't know. There, there, there's so many different uh, avenues to uh, to work around some of those things. But yeah, let's go uh, with Lisa and then Nancy and Amy. I think really that we've got to be careful that we don't go to one extreme or another with it. Um, it really, like everything that we do, um, the intent of our heart, I think, is what matters with it. And because I know that um, when I was in the temple one time, there was a picture of Christ there. I, was, I actually had the chance to be in a room on my own. And I was just looking at this picture of Christ and it triggered one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had in my whole life. Um, and I would love to go back and relive that. So for me, I have artwork around my home and... Um, I think it's the intent of our hearts and how we look at it that matters. And it's where, I, you know, because to me, I don't worship my art, but it makes me think and it makes me ponder. I can look at it and start getting into a bit of a meditative state by pondering about what it could mean. Or, you know, I might look at my Christus and say, oh, Jesus, and it will trigger a thought but it doesn't mean to say that I'm bowing down and saying oh Jesus you know and I'm not praying to it so really I think it just comes to our heart mm -hmm. so. yeah I love that yeah Nancy I um well we have a picture of Jesus in every room of our house um <laughs> just for that same pur purpose is to bring our minds to a remembrance of him whenever, you know, no matter where we are. Um, but I think a lot of it is 
dependent upon what you then do with where your mind goes, right? If we become obsessed with a, a particular piece of art, right? As opposed to using the various different things to give us an idea of what something might be like, um, then then it becomes more of an idol with the one. Um, I, I'm really not putting this very well. I'm okay. sorry. It's really early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, I, I think the art serves the purpose of helping us to visualize what things really look like. Mm -hmm. um, like I, I saw that some a couple people put the chosen on there, right? And I just had a conversation with somebody this week about the chosen and, you know, they were all upset about it because they just found out the church isn't who put it out. Um, and uh, with that, I think it does a really good job of helping you to see what things are, to visualize things, to make the scriptures come alive so that when you're reading the scriptures, you have a better perspective and you understand things better. Mm -hmm. um, but if we, discard the scriptures and just focus on the tv show or if we discard the scriptures and just focus on what's on our wall then we have replaced the word of god in the scriptures with an idol and i, I um as jared halverson likes to talk about proving contraries we're not far on one side or far on the other we really are that middle that balance mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, Amy. Um, I just kind of like what Lisa was saying, you know, where is your heart with it? Um, I think also, uh, I, I think there's a tendency, at least I know I have in the past thinking, kind of like, um, well, I have all this art in my house, therefore I'm righteous, or therefore like, it, it's kind of this uh, um, kind of pride, like feeling like, and I didn't really say at the time, but like thinking, you know, well, I'm kind of proving my, how how dedicated how, what a great member I am by making sure I have this art or I don't know I I, I just think uh, I just think that uh, oh I don't know I having a hard time explaining it but I just think uh, sometimes it's the yeah it's the it's where your heart is and the intent of why you're doing it if it you know if it truly brings you to think of your savior and seek him you know that's one thing but if it's kind of like i don't know um just you know you walk in my house and obviously i'm a i'm a good member because i have this picture of the temple and christ or whatever and and then just one more thought like i that hit my head as Nancy was talking um like with the chosen I had that that was one of the things that came to my mind is um are these things these you know whether it's chosen or art or whatever are they 
um, are they creating like a false image of, of Christ? Are we, are we creating him in our image, you know? And, and I'm not saying that means I don't want, you know, I watch the chosen and enjoy it and everything, but I do think it's so easy for us in our human nature to see that and think, well, this is how Christ was. And, you know, he's, I don't know, they, sometimes it's easy to uh, create him in our image. And instead of really like, you know, allowing that to propel us to the scriptures to really seek to understand him through, through that. Anyways, I'll stop rambling. <laughs> No, you're good. I love it. Yeah, I, I think that uh, we've all hit on, on very excellent points there of of intent, right? That uh, image worship um, stems out of a, a a good thing with a an intent gone awry uh, over time and, and things uh, often anyway. But yeah, let's go with Lisa and then Anna. Oh, I'm uh, I'm okay. You can hear me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, Circling that wagon again about the intent of the heart. When the heart is pure, you are protected. You could be right in, with the children of Israel and the golden calf and all that that was going on. And with a pure heart, you are protected. We are surrounded by the images and the idolatry of Babylon all the time. And it's where our heart takes us in our choices that keeps us pure. Just going to share this because it popped into my mind. Uh, I think it's our relationship to an object. I have a piece of art that I bought when my son was a little boy because it looked just like him. It was a print and it looked just like him and it was so precious and it had a little quilt and I'd made a quilt for him and it had the same colors in it. And I have not been able to part with it. And he and I had an interesting conversation. He said to me, he said, you know, I noticed that you keep a lot of things from the past. And he said, um, I don't get attached to things. He says, why do you keep them? He was, you know, interested. And I said, well, it reminds me of my mother who's gone. Or it reminds me of my father who is gone. Or it reminds me of blah, blah, blah. And he said, I don't imbue objects with that person. I hold them in my heart. And I thought, wow, that is really interesting. He's very intelligent. So having a conversation with him is like, he is always teaching me, my little son, <laughs> my big son now. And so I'm not saying that I've come to a conclusion of, anything right or wrong in that, but just a unique way of perceiving an object. I obviously imbue the object with some special memory or meaning that he doesn't. So I'm just bringing that up for whatever, you know, whatever it's worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. I love it. Anna. I remember as I visited the um, Swiss temple, I stood there in front of some very interesting painting. And I asked someone who has painted this because I couldn't find any name. And they told me um, 
that uh, there are more and more paintings without the signature. You say signature? Okay. Um, because they don't want that we know who has painted it, more that we uh, reflect on the painter was uh, influenced by Jesus Christ. So mm. that we don't read the name and say, oh yes, wow, something like this. And uh, um, the artist also wants to show what was in his insight. And for him, it is not um, important uh, that other people know that he was a, the, the artist. But I found this very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm seeing that more and more in, in temples, right? I mean, we have kind of our standard ones and we know who painted them, but but there's many uh, unique ones and, and they're often without signatures. Hmm. Uh, that's a, a great insight and and into the into worshiping the the artist behind the the image versus uh, giving all all credit to God. So um, kind of going along that line of um, the intent um, there on on page nine, um, well in this book anyway. Sorry, um, it's a paragraph that starts when we either see God. Um, let's see, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight paragraphs into it. I don't know if that corresponds uh, necessarily to the last days, but um, it says, when we neither see God nor experience him, because if we're um, cut off from his presence, like it said in the beginning, uh, however, doesn't an image that represents him make him much more real to us? The image brings him down to our level, limits him to our perception of him. God becomes a concept we can easily deal with, something we can sketch, sculpt, or paint, or mass produce. By adjusting our image of God to our mortal notions of him, we manipulate him until the idea of God no longer threatens us. Moreover, now that we have created a false God, our void is filled. Our minds and hearts are diverted, and before long, we have moved away from the real God. And so I would just um, kind of pose that question out to us as we're looking at religious art specifically of, of Christ himself. Have we put Christ in a box with our intent to put that image on our wall, or is it there to serve as a reminder, you know, with a good intent of daily constant reminders to think of him? Have we stopped craving a personal relationship with him because we now have an image that's on the wall uh, to, to serve as that reminder? Or is it, um, is it pointing us and we actually do take time to stop and think and create that personal relationship with Christ because that image is there? Or are we just putting it there, uh, like Amy said, for kind of a prideful reason, right? Of, well, I, I've tattooed him all over my walls and, and so I'm good. I must worship him because he's everywhere now. <laughs> I've done my due diligence. I don't need a personal relationship with him because he's there. I've, he's, he's permanent uh, fixture in my, my home now. And so uh, I, I think that that intent is very eloquently worded uh, here in, in that paragraph of bringing God down to our level, being a, a more comfortable version of him that we can uh, handle and, and look at kind of a thing uh, versus the intent to create and uh, maintain a covenant relationship with him kind of a thing. So yeah, uh, with Anna and then Lisa.
in my mind came, it's a uh, very good advice. Uh, if we pray, we close our eyes. So I don't have any imagine from Jesus. When I close my eyes and I pray to him, I just pray. And I uh, hopefully looking for my feelings, hmm. but not for an image in my mind. So it's a, I think it's a very good advice because this uh, can help us uh, not to... Um, to take too much attention to the picture or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and focusing on that one thing. And um, yeah, I love that. Beautifully put. Yeah, Lisa. These are good questions and some that I've even been pondering myself. Uh, as I pray, I even have asked myself, is, am I creating something in my mind as I pray? Um, I think that there's a sense of, for me, even though I'm extremely artistic, creative, work with photography, so I have a real eye for things, and I love art. It's been a way I've fed my soul my entire life. Um, I actually prefer to, um, to uh, strengthen my relationship with the Lord through the word. And I think of the scripture in John that in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And I love that sense of mystery that's imbued in much of John's portrayal of the Christ. Mm -hmm. I love that. So kind of along that uh, line there, how many of us would agree that the movie adaptation of any book is worse than the book itself? <laughs> I mean, once in a while you have some interesting ones that give some cool things here and there, but isn't the word way more powerful to the mind? And then when you go to watch somebody else's imagination of it, creation of it, it's like, oh, that's not how I pictured them or how that they, <laughs> they got that so wrong from the book, you know, like it, it just took a, a totally different spinoff. So why is there such power in the word and our power to visualize that, <sighs> Like no one can really take that away from us. That's that's a God-given gift to be able to, to imagine and not have restrictions. And uh, I, I think it's powerful to share other people's paradigms and 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 visions of of any given thing. But when we when we fully look at, oh, that's how it is, then it's like it's not how I was seeing it, <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah, Lisa. with um, the experience of the scriptures, the experience of the word under the influence of the Holy Spirit is a pleasure and a sublime experience that I don't think can be topped in any other way. And um, like you said, Cameron, it's an experience that cannot be taken from us. There's something about being exposed, especially it's a form of literacy to be exposed to holy writ and think of the blessing of being exposed to it from an early age. It feels to me almost like having um, the word woven into the fiber of our being so that it is how at some point at a cellular level, when we meet him, we will know him. Mm -hmm. 
And I can only imagine that happening through the word. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, and, and remind me if I've uh, missed anything in, in the chat and stuff. I, I'm trying to keep up, but <laughs> um, what Claire just said here that she agrees, especially when she sees renderings of Lehi's tree of life vision. Like we all have a, a different version of that in our mind. And, and I think it's helpful to have artwork of, of other people's representation of it, right? But but nothing quite matches what we have in our own head, because I think that that God is revealing it to us in our own personal uh, way. Right. And so um, I think that creation is a super important spiritual gift to um, to learn how to use. Right. Like we are to be co-creators with God. But if we are setting it up to be. um to only gain money off of it uh, versus the the actual process of creation. Like this one really stuck out to me. Uh, Elder Uchtdorf's create video from his, uh, I think it was a women's conference talk, if I remember right. Uh, but there's like a little YouTube short video that uh, talks about our inherent need to create. Uh, we have a yearning to create, to become like our creator. And that's not a bad thing. But if we are doing it for the wrong intent, just like any other images and, and things, right? Then, uh, then it can turn into an idolatrous practice rather than an actual uh, co-creator type thing. Uh, taking a look at what God has created and trying to mimic it, replicate it to as we learn. You know, like if if we give a, a child a coloring book, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be anywhere equal to what God can create. But we're learning through that process, learning uh, different nuances as we go along. We learn shading techniques. We learn this throughout the different stages of our life. And so I think it's so important to create in art, in word, in, in very deed, that we become like, like Christ uh, through all of these different mediums of creation. But yet, <laughs> the children of Israel back then had such a problem with it, and uh, we're ignorant if we if we think that we are exempt because we are in the restored gospel, right? That we have the same idolatrous tendencies as any of the the children of Israel in the past, any of the covenant people, uh, and so it's it's a fine line to to walk and and to navigate, especially when we have family or friends or congregations who might not be open to the same kind of paradigm. Uh, you know, well, if the church produces it, then it must be all right to worship <laughs> kind of a thing, right? Yeah, Amy. Um, just as you, as everybody's speaking, it just helps me realize how important it is for us to, you know, take these kind of things to God, you know, it's such a good opportunity to um, ask him, you know, where to, to show, to show us individually, you know, our motives, our intents, or help us to see why, or, you know, hopefully we can be humble enough to be able to hear something that may be uncomfortable, right? And, and uh, I think it's just that great opportunity that presents itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. And what Sherry asked in, in the, the chat here. So anything that testifies of Christ would not be going too far. Um, and, and again, I, I think it comes down to intent, but I would love to have anybody else answer that as well of 
even though the artist might have great intent, uh, somebody else using it for the, the wrong purpose. Um, uh, so like if I'm creating uh, a work, a piece of art or a piece of writing that testifies of Christ, but if, if somebody is taking it with a, a mal intent, then uh, I think it can turn into an idolatrous thing down the road. But I don't know. Yeah. How would everybody else answer that? And I think um, <laughs> my mom's pretty silent. <laughs> so actually, let's go with Nancy and then we'll we'll come back to my my mom. So I'll give her time to to formulate her answer. But um, I, I would love for you to share some of your insights on how you came to, um, through prayer, recognize what was uh, one part of Babylon that you needed to to get rid of and and how that process worked for you. And then uh, with that, then I hope it, it sparks other ideas for people to kind of share some of their stories on, on the process of that. But yeah, Nancy. Okay, so that question was for your mom. And now I'm trying to remember what I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you were talking about um, how things that we create might be used you know, by someone else. I think one of the great things about the gospel is our understanding that we are responsible for our own sins and not for others. And, you know, that kind of thing can happen with just about anything, with anything that we make, anything that we have, anything that we do um, has the potential for somebody else to take it to extreme or to misuse it or, you know, everything like that. We have... We have technology that can be used for good or for evil. And if we were to just say, well, we're going to throw it all out because it could have an evil use, then there's a lot of the things that we would miss. And I mean, we wouldn't be able to have Zoom calls and, you know, mm -hmm. all of the great and wonderful things. So I think a lot of it does depend upon how, how we use it. Do we use it to glorify God? Do we use it to learn more of him? Um do we do we use it to to bring our minds back away from Babylon and to the things of the Lord? Um, and one of the things I was I wanted to say before even was um, we we have a lot of pictures of Christ, but they're not all the same. Yeah. We have many different interpretations, right? In in all the different rooms. Just because not not so that we can say, oh, look, we have a picture of Christ in every room. Um, but we made a decision because we wanted to focus our attention and um, and our our ideas and our, our our learning toward him that we decided to put, you know, pictures on the walls. I now, we've probably come far enough in our journey that I don't need those to focus on things of the Lord um, as much, but it is nice to have that reminder. Mm -hmm. um, but because they're all different and they're different interpretations, you can get a different idea of a different aspect of Christ with each one. And I think that also helps us because you know, President Nelson told us that we needed to study 
the characteristics and the attributes of Christ. And as we do that, we come to know who he is. And as we come to know who he is, then um, we, we know the true thing and not just the hollow picture or the image or, or what the world might tell us that he's like. And there are a lot of people now who are trying to say that he's one thing um, that he might not be or another, you know. Again, it's those two opposites. You, um, we need the opposites, but we need to balance those and not go too far to either extreme. Mm-hmm. Moderation in all things. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like kind of the, the principle that was brought up there as well of that sometimes it's kind of a progression, right? It's kind of like training wheels. Yeah, we need lots of reminders constantly, you know, like the children of Israel needed constant reminders because they were golden caffin all the time. And so um, you'll notice that we do that in our chapels and in our temples. We have images of Christ in, in the outer courts, but when we're in an ordinance room, we don't have those images anymore. We have a visual... Um, it, it it goes from still images to a drama where he is acted out and we don't need those images anymore to remind us of him because we have a um a lifelike representation of him we don't have those images in the chapel because we have priests and teachers and deacons and and the bishop and the speakers that are all representing christ in his various facets in our ordinance rooms in in the temple we have uh, visual uh, dramas being performed. And then uh, once we get to a celestial type area, then we can even remove those training wheels. And so we have varying degrees of, of the purpose of images used in the right way, in the right setting, always trying to um, bring us into an actual relation or point us to developing an actual relationship with Christ and coming into his actual presence uh, versus um kind of those varying degree of of images so i i really like um that way you, you brought up there and and moderation because if we're not keeping moderate in all of those stages then it can very quickly spin into an idolatrous kind of mindset um if it goes unchecked cameron you were saying about the drama i think another thing to remember is that we used to have a video drama and now we're back to more very slowly moving there is movement but very slowly moving pictures that that don't pull you in as a movie as much as give you something to ponder as you know you still have that movement so it's not just like a film strip but it gives you something to ponder and direct your mind to but I think it's also a changing of that right mm-hmm. where we used to have very much a um a, a very engrossing movie and and lately you know you're not even in the dark anymore at least in our temple they don't turn the lights down mm-hmm. all the way they don't turn them down all the way so I don't know if that's the case in other temples but in Mount Timpanogos, it doesn't, you're not sitting in the dark anymore. So it, it's, it's interesting to ponder, you know, why is that and what is the effect? 
and, and what it, and maybe it has to do with something along those lines. I hadn't thought about that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, neither did I. Yeah, it's very interesting. So yeah, mother, go for it. Putting you on the spot. <laughs> well, <clears throat> about a year and a half ago, we went through Isaiah Dakota the first time. And um, when it was talking about Babylon and stuff, I, oh my goodness, it was mentioned in a few things and I started to kind of look around and see and kind of see it, man, am I in Babylon? Because I didn't think of myself that way at all. And, and um, I, I had, four big curios of um collections of of um well first of all my daughter and i um had this um she she would they're like barbie dolls um but then uh, she would crochet these time period dresses and different things uh, they're really beautiful and and I do their hair and had the, the things anyway I, I had like over 50 of these that we'd done over time and and I loved them and and I also collected uh, all these uh, dishes and and fancy teacups and different things like that, that I, over a period of a lot of years and went antiquing with my sisters and and these were really special and they're beautiful objects and stuff. And and I, and my husband bought me as, as my collection grew a, a new curio for each one of them and they were matching curios and there was four of them and they were just full of all that and I went over there and stood by that and just like looked at it through different eyes uh, are these idols are these things I'm worshiping I wasn't bowing down to them or anything I I started looking them Adam through a different lens and I could see that for some of them that was some of the things were like am I worshiping celebrity type things because they were different uh, celebrities too and um I like in the 30s, 40s, 50s. I had some of all of that. And then I had some really old ones in the 1800s and stuff. And, and I got looking at them. Some of them weren't all that modest dressed even. I mean, they weren't bad, but I they just, just got looking at them. What am I looking at here? And so I... I asked Heavenly Father, I wanted to know, is this a problem? And um, I got my answer. 
was the one I liked. But it, um, yeah, those. And he told me if I want to get out of Babylon, I had to get rid of all of it. And um, the answer was I loved him too much. And I, he also let me know that it was too excessive. I mean, if I just, you know, kept a little modesty to it. But no, I, I've had a problem with that all my life, doing collections and then get too excessive. I had to stop myself. And anyway, he, he stepped me through the whole process and told me, because I asked, well, I mean, I have a lot of money into this, and that's another part of it is you know, spending money on all this. They told me where to take them because uh, I was thinking at first, well, I'll just sell them off, you know. No, I'm just, I'm just supposed to give them away. They told me to take them to uh, Deseret Industries in uh, Ogden, Utah. I live in Idaho. And and the reason being is because they had such an influx of um, refugees there and they could use that to money from these objects to, to help supply items needed for these refugees. And so, okay, it's really clear. My answer was really clear and that was, it was hard at first, but then I said, no, if the Lord's telling me this is Babylon, I don't want to have any part of it. So it take, took me days to box those all up. And and it, it was, and then we, my husband took me to Ogden with our van full of stuff and we dropped them off. And you know, I haven't missed them. And then I, I, I thought I was just going to like be so hard, but it wasn't even that hard and I don't even miss them. I'm so glad that uh, I have a loving Heavenly Father to help me through that, that step there. But, and it's interesting to note, right, that that might not be Babylon for another person. Yeah. You know, like it, it's all very individualized and often the, the quest to leave Babylon is a personal one and it requires a sacrifice of some sort, right? A, a willing sacrifice. And like in your case, I, I'm going to kind of briefly tell uh, the second part of that story of that you were having a really hard time with a certain grouping of those things. Like you still wanted remembrances of the past, you know, uh, I, I see Tracy Durfee's, uh, a comment here in the, the chat like you're throwing my childhood away like you still want some kind of uh, some of the good things from the past right like are we supposed to throw those memories out and so as you were uh being willing that you had a, a special experience with the lord where he told you no what you've done is is enough you can you can keep this little set as as your remembrance you're getting rid of the excess kind of a thing right and then <laughs> Later on down the road, you were actually uh, uh, asked to to give up even that. But um, the the fact that 
When we're in Babylon, it often requires a sacrifice of us. Are we willing to give all to God? And sometimes we're we're supposed to go through with it. Sometimes it just needs that willingness. Like if we were to uh, put our son Isaac on the altar and being willing to 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 offer up whatever is is asked of us. And so it, it can take many different phases, or, or uh, not phases. What's the word? Many different uh, ways. Uh, it can look in uh, lots of different flavors. <laughs> um, but yet, the important thing is to go to God and have him tell you what is idolatrous and what needs to be sacrificed. And sometimes it's going to be like really hard. And, and sometimes it's going to come out of left field. Like, really, I need to give up that. Like sometimes there's, there's little things that we think is all right. You know, even within a church kind of a context, like why would I ever need to give up that? But whatever the Lord is telling you, that's what uh, you'll see in retrospect is like, Oh, okay, I totally see what God was doing there and, and helping me through that. And sometimes it's in, in phases, sometimes it's all at once, cold turkey kind of a thing. But um, it it's very interesting how, how all of that works. And often <laughs> it'll blow up in your face, right? <laughs> like our family still hasn't understood that and forgiven us for all of that stupid stuff. But you know, whatever. <laughs> like, are you willing to to face ostracism or or whatever? Sometimes that's even the the sacrifice right there is is willing to to heap upon yourself um, and and be looked at differently or or hated or or whatever, uh, be an outcast. But uh, that's why Christ is always teaching us there in the, the New Testament, right? <laughs> Take. Uh, take comfort. I was hated first. <laughs> and so as we are leaving Babylon, it, it is a hard process, but um, it is very interesting how that um, that story uh, relates to our, our chapter today of, of worshiping images and that it was all, we have to make sure to keep going to God um, to help us through any of that uh, because our eyes might not be open to it yet. I just want to add what you mentioned that I would, he let me keep uh, a small section of that. And uh, anyway, <laughs> like Kevin said, my our family's kind of had a hard time with all this. I think I'm crazy. Um, and my daughter actually got hurt over be getting ready the dolls because there were memories we, we had had. And, um, anyway, the part that, anyway, I got to the point where uh, I went to the Lord about my daughter um, and her feelings and everything. And I said, what sacrifice, I asked, what sacrifice could I make to rid her, um, how do I word that, the, her unbelief, you know? And, uh, and sure enough, that's why I, he let me keep that little section because this was the real test is because I had to get rid of that. 
that was the sacrifice I was had to make for that. And it was very fitting because that was the the last part that was really hard for me. And he had stopped me at that point, but it was for a late uh, future time. So now I don't have any of that in my home. And, and I it, it's actually freeing um, because I could see my my worldliness and and stuff my excess and stuff so i'm over to all that now i i really don't even miss <laughs> beware of that attitude though <laughs> right <laughs> i'm over that now i'm out of babylon oh no i didn't say i was clear out of babylon i got a lot of work to do. but as far as that, that part I, i'm not gonna be buying anymore and that kind of stuff or contributed in that way I, uh -huh. it was more about overcoming an addictive personality and uh really was. tending to put everything in excess that was like the root thing of babylon it wasn't the images i mean the images were one symptom of it but the the lord was trying to root out that that natural man tendency in a, you kind of a thing exactly and so yeah it can take many different forms and, and things it's going to be very unique to everyone but Anyway, that, I, yeah, I, I fully blame Isaiah Decoded for that one, <laughs> because before that, we were just blissfully living in, in whatever, but um, as we're going through this book, I hope that that we are all very patient with each other and uh, looking at, you know, taking examples and, and applying them personally, what, if it, you know, I'm not saying you have to get rid of all your Barbie collections or, or whatever, but um that it, this is just kind of a support group for those that, that want to leave Babylon, <laughs> that we're just trying to help each other, but we're not here to judge or say, okay, you're watching TV, that, yeah, you, you got to get over that <laughs> kind of a thing, because it's it's all in, in different ways. Um, I had a, a sweet sister reach out to me uh, about a year or so ago, and she said, but my husband doesn't even understand Babylon like at all. We're leaving it. And the thing that we do as, as a married couple, like the only thing that we really have in common is watching TV shows together. And so do you think that I should just give all that up? And I go, I am not the one to ask Like, go ask Heavenly Father. And she's like, I really don't think that it is. And then I, if, if that's something that you need to bond with, with your husband with and stuff, like by all means, uh, it's not a one size fits all like okay we have to get rid of tv we have to do this it's not a systematic kind of a thing just it's all about developing a personal relationship with god and letting him lead you out of babylon but being open and willing to to do whatever he asks kind of a thing right because i'm not saying tv's bad or you know <laughs> the chosen has been brought up a lot right like i'm not saying any of that but I, I, I know certain things that, that the Lord has led me away from. Um, but, you know, it, it's just we're just a, a patient little support group here. <laughs> and uh, hopefully that we aren't um, projecting any of um, our exiting of Babylon onto to others, because that's that's in itself uh, uh, something that uh, creeps up as well. But anyway, any other kind of final thoughts or, or questions on worshiping images or have we <laughs> thoroughly <laughs> taken this to the, uh, we never did get to, to violence and sex. So we'll, we'll do that one next week. <laughs> um, oh, uh, the last question there, what are some things I was led away from? I, 
you know, anybody that's been in our groups and stuff have heard uh, mine with just leaving entertainment cold turkey because I'm like a, a tech person. You know, I usually have uh, SEO and websites and, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I used to speak fluent movie quotes. <laughs> that was my life, <laughs> right? Like my whole every word I said or every phrase was some comedy line from some movie or, or sarcastic thing. And so it was, it was really hard, but all of a sudden it had to be cold Turkey too with mine. Ex well, I'll share a little bit, but like, it was absolute nothing, no entertainment whatsoever. And again, it wasn't the entertainment itself. Well, some of it was, but I mean, like even church entertainment or anything, it was trying to root out my laziness and my need to disconnect from the world. Like, oh, I would come home like really stressed or or anything like that. And I would just veg out and just put on entertainment and almost disconnect from my body and from reality. And so that's what the Lord was trying to root out of me. But he did it by cold turkey telling me to stop all forms of entertainment no youtube no facebook no uh, movies no tv shows no nothing um and then after a while he lifted the ban <laughs> and was like okay you can get back after your you got it all out of your system kind of thing like you have to detox almost then i was like uh, I, I was prompted a lot to to kind of ease back into Facebook in, in certain aspects, but really not become addicted to it anymore. Um, like I, I previously was. And so, uh, little by little, and, uh, you, I'm sure many of you know that, um, uh, kind of like my mom's story, I was allowed to keep three movies. <laughs> Those are the only three I could watch, uh, Arrival, um, The Shack and, um, Amazing Love. Those, there's so much good symbolism in those I, and I realized that all Hollywood has aspects of, of craziness right and you have to root out any of that but those three movies I was allowed to keep and I'm sure the Lord will take those away from me someday <laughs> but um it, it was all very much a a process to overcome the natural man tendencies in me rather than what the face value was of entertainment and so um yeah, there, there's so many things. <laughs> Tracy's comment there. Yeah, dark shows, Breaking Bad, Dexter, Game of Thrones. I Every season, I've watched all of them many times. <laughs> I can quote any uh, Will and Grace episode. I have those firmly planted in, in my brain. But <laughs> as we go through, it, it's more about rooting out the, the emotions, the uh, addictiveness, the whatever thing that we've created are our hardened hearts uh rather than the just band-aid or or symptom of the, the the issue there but i don't know that that's my experience i don't know what everybody else's is i you know encourage everybody to to share and, and everything but anyway yeah what else on on worshiping images before we head out for the day. I, <laughs> I've loved the, the discussion today. I'm sorry to monopolize so much with my mom and mine's experiences, but I found those very helpful, um, at least to me and if, if they're helpful to other people, but yeah. Well, so 
like violence. Yeah, let's let's just take one week on violence and sex because there's a lot to that with um, the the Baal Anoth epic and, and everything. <laughs> Has anybody read that epic before? <laughs> when you were in Babylon, of course, not now. <laughs> yeah, with like all the movies I watched, I watched over and over and over. Like as he was describing that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can think of so many movies and I'm just, I'm disgusted. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And so, yeah, let's, let's dive into that one. <laughs> Honestly, we'll probably just take one topic at a time, even though it pains me to go slow, but I need to, to learn patience and, and really dive deep into all of these things. So next week we'll do uh, violence and sex and, and really try to root that out of our system <laughs> i'm sure we've come a long way with that already but i have a i have a question sorry if, like anybody needs to go whatever um it just came to me as like during this discussion and i just want to see if anybody had thoughts mm -hmm. on it um just thinking of moses and you have them with the golden calf that's you know always what we think of with idolatry um and then we have moses raising the brass serpent which both symbols as far as i have learned like represented christ right mm -hmm. and so i'm just i guess i'm wondering yeah what like the difference of that i mean obviously you know they took it upon themselves to make the calf and and intent and all of these things and i don't know and do you have any thoughts around like the brass serpent being used in that sense yeah that that's an interesting question we probably should have dove more into that this time too um but yeah anybody else have have thoughts feel free to chime in i'm just kind of spitballing like um some of the things that i've i've come across um in a cosmological sense um with cosmism and you know, planetary history and, and all that, right? Uh, Velikovskian uh, type perspective. Um, a lot of that can be explained just with the natural phenomena that was happening at the time of the Exodus. And um, I, I think that there's a lot to be said for um, that uh, we had planets uh, producing lots of electrical activity um, with the uh, the Earth at that time, and uh, for fear of being like, <laughs> we're going to die unless we worship whatever god this is, uh, kind of a thing. I think that uh, the motives and the intent behind the worship was, was a huge um, part of that. And then later on with the uh, the the brazen serpent on a pole um, being um, a similar and opposite uh, uh, way of looking at that, where they were so, like, we seen what the Lord did to us when we worshiped a calf, we're not going to go and do a, a brazen serpent again, but yet it's it's those contradictory things, right? Like a prophet can say one thing, but then at a later time, if he says something else that's contrary to it, oh no, we're going to go with the first one. We're not going to go with this. We already learned our lesson. This is a trick question <laughs> kind of a thing. I think that some of that might play into it, but I also think that there's many different per, uh, perspectives to look at that same story with in various symbolic ways. And so, yeah, uh, Nancy. So the brass serpent, when they were first given it, was a way, um, it was a symbol of Christ. It was a way to heal people, right? All they had to do was look, um, very symbolic of looking to Christ and being healed. But um, 
over time, the Israelites looked at that brass serpent as um, something to be revered and something they kept it in the temple. They, um, they, they had it in, um, they, they were very, very uh, reverential toward this brass serpent on a pole because look, this was given to us through this miracle of God kind of thing. So much so that the prophet had to go in and destroy it. Right. <laughs> so <clears throat> even, even that, and I think it, that goes toward our proclivities as human beings <laughs> to want something concrete, to want something we can touch, we can see, we can experience. I mean, how many times have you heard people ask, well, where are the gold plates? Where's the sword of Laban? Where's the Leahona? You know, all of the things from from our more recent, the restoration era, where are, where are our artifacts? Everybody wants the artifacts. And when you look at them in this way, like, oh, they want the artifacts because they want the idols. They want to make idols out of the artifacts in tele, you know, today's time. And yes, Tracy, that's why they took the art. That's why we don't have them. We, we need to not fall into the same trap that the Israelites did in worshiping an artifact. And if we can have that faith without the artifact, then how much better off are we? And that's where we really need to be if we're going to leave um, Babylon. And, um, you know, we have... There are people who make replicas, Tracy. They make replicas of an artist's rendition of what the Liahona looks like or right. what various things look like, right? I just... and, and they're so wrong. Like the, the actual Liahona is like a little snitch. It's not like this big ball. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, I don't know how big it is or how small it is. And, you know, there's all sorts of things about, you know, the the two, the two pointing hands and what do they represent and how do they work and and everything along those lines those are those are questions to take to the lord but if we had a physical thing somebody would be taking it apart and trying to reverse engineer it and mm -hmm. and i mean isn't that what we do we have something oh we got to figure out how this works and the lord's like no no i'm not giving this people something to reverse engineer because then they will be like those in the tower of babel who think that they can achieve Zion by just building a higher building instead of living the laws that are required. And, and that is, that's another thing that we have going on in the world today. Everybody wants to shortcut. Everybody wants the, how can I have, how can I have the utopia of Zion without having to live God's laws? I want to, I want to make my own laws to make this. I mean, this is what the world is doing right now. You know, agenda 2030 and everything is let's, let's make what we think is the equivalent of Zion, but we're going to do it on our terms. We're not going to, you know, have to follow a God because, you know, who's he to us? And, and that's, that's definitely Babylon's take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that brass serpent there. It, it amazes me how quickly that turned into an idol for them, right? They even gave it a name. Like it was the Nehushtan. And 
they were worshiping it and okay we gotta we gotta <laughs> destroy this thing because the tendency is always to to put it up on our own pole and, and not the the prescribed way there <laughs> well they didn't have tv and movies we have tv and movies yeah. <laughs> right so they they had that was their equivalent maybe mm-hmm. but it's interesting years years later it comes to king hezekiah in fact where he sees that that is a problem they're worshiping it in the wrong way and he had it destroyed mm-hmm. and that's a long time after you know they received yeah. 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 Any other comments or questions? If not, we'll head out for the day. So yeah, we'll we'll catch each other right there next week. There's no interruptions. Yeah, next week for the the violence and sex chapter. All right, everyone, have a good week. I'll send out an email with uh, the. The link to this video as soon as I, I get it uh, ready and uh, viewable for you. But yeah, anyway, have a great week, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.